Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. something on my heart today and has given me some direction. Amen. You like what you feel? Amen. That's a silly question to a bunch of apostolic folks in the presence of the Lord, isn't it? Like what we feel. I appreciate the Spirit of God. Amen. I think it is imperative that we step into what we feel right now. Amen. And let the presence and the power of the Lord just touch our heart. I want you to join me in the book of Ephesians first. And I'm going to read a scripture. I'll read another passage in just a moment. But I really feel as this began to shape up tonight that, that what the Lord has spoken, feel like directed me to today is just right in line with what we're feeling here. The Bible says in Ephesians 3 and 7, this is the words of, of course, the Apostle Paul. He says, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Amen. Just one verse here. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Amen. The spirit of the Lord is doing a work in our heart. Amen. He's doing a work right now in our heart. Let's not be lost in in any of this tonight. The Spirit of the Lord began something just in prayer a moment ago, and we're obeying His His will tonight. Amen. I want to speak to you. This, this title will make a, a little more sense in a moment. But I want to speak to you tonight from this subject. The victory is in the striving. The victory... Is in the striving. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated. I want you to preach with me now if you will. In this passage Paul acknowledges that the spirit of God. Or that the power of God. That it is the power of God that is working in him. And it is that at work power of God. It is that, it is that at work presence of God that allowed him to accomplish the call that God had on his life. Now, the Apostle Paul, and I don't want to I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but the Apostle Paul, of course, was a very educated man, a very uh, a, a very influential, affluent. Uh, the Apostle Paul was a great writer, a great speaker. So there are many things that could have been accomplished just by his own finesse, his own ability to lead and impact and empower. But Paul was quick to denote that it was the Spirit of God, it was the power of God that was at work. In the next verse, he said, Unto me, 
who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. So this was not false humility and this was not Paul pretending to be something that he wasn't, but it was him acknowledging that I am just the vessel and it will, if anything is accomplished, it will only be accomplished because the spirit, the power, and the presence of God is at work in my life. However, we should not think of this work of God as some mystical happenstance, as though somehow we're just going to be captured by a foreign spirit, and then the Lord is just going to take over and he's going to do all the work, and that somehow we are going to become... Uh, just in a moment of time, spectators to what God is wanting to do or God is desiring to do. And so we talk about, we use uh, language, and I think we, we perhaps know what we're talking about, but we use language and sometimes use it a little bit loosely. We talk about revival, and I'm not referring to the series of services coming up this weekend, but we talk about revival as though it's some foreign entity and it's just going to come sit down among us and we're just going to sit around and warm our hands over some fire that that God has just sent us from heaven. Amen. It's We're not going to be captured by something like that. In Colossians, Paul, and this is really where my text or my title comes from, is the book of Colossians. Paul drills down a little bit deeper into this work that is going on. In Colossians 1.29, Paul says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Now that's a little bit of a tongue twister, so we're going to spend a little while talking about that tonight. He said, I labor, I'm striving, but I'm striving according to his working that worketh in me mightily. God is doing something. The Lord is doing something. And I believe that this is a very intense statement. Perhaps more so than we may realize just reading it through one time or two. But Paul was saying, I'm agonizing according to his power. I'm agonizing according to his energy and authority that worketh in me mightily. I'm agonizing over this. This is not something that's just coming upon me. It's not as though some garment has been or mantle has just fallen on me in some random fashion. But I'm agonizing. I'm working. I'm striving. Amen. Because Paul understood that the victory is in the striving. The victory is in the working. I'm going to try desperately not to get ahead of myself tonight. But if you see someone in life and they're enjoying any success at all, whether that be naturally or spiritually, unless they were born with some proverbial silver spoon in their mouth, what you see is the end result of a lot that went in behind the scenes. A lot of sacrifice you know nothing about. A lot of endeavor, a lot of labor that perhaps went in that you know nothing about. Paul was talking in this particular passage, Colossians 1.29, about agonizing, agonizing in the spirit. It is his energy that pushes, but God is trying to do something mighty in me. And so rest assured that when the power of the Lord came on his disciples, all of them were filled with the power that each one of them would need according to their needs. Praise the Lord. 
when, the, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, again, the Spirit talks about one, Acts 1 and 8, that you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to be witnesses. That he talks about where they would be witnesses and what they would be doing. But I believe with all my heart that God gives, gave them and he gives us the exact authority and the power that we need in our lives to fulfill the call he's placed on us. Amen. And the whole world had been committed, the whole known world committed to their care, the uttermost parts of the earth. Each of these disciples did a mighty work for God, and they did it in their sphere of influence. I pray for you, and I pray for me. I pray for our church. I pray for us often. I prayed this this morning, not so I could use it tonight, but I prayed it as recent as this very morning. Oh, Lord, that you would touch us and let every member of our church, wherever they live, wherever they work, wherever they shop, wherever they do, wherever they cross the paths of people in their sphere of influence, I prayed for you to have authority. I prayed for you to have the power of God resting upon your life so that the authority and the influence and the impact of this church would not just be relegated to 500 feet within the walls of this building, but no, let the authority of the Holy Ghost touch the neighborhood where you live. Amen. Let it touch the grocery store where you shop. Let it touch the people that you do business with. Praise God. I believe that God allowed the disciples to do a great work and impact their world because he anointed them. He anointed them in their own way for their own use to do what God had called them to do. However, I do believe the Apostle Paul, it would be easy for us to say, having contributed more of the New Testament than anybody else, that the Apostle Paul would make his way to the top of this list. And we can certainly agree that heaven perhaps would hold the only accurate record of just how influential the ministry, the life, and the steps of the Apostle Paul has been. How would we ever know how many have been touched and influenced by his ministry, his earthly ministry. That's not even counting us blessing, being blessed tonight because we're reading some of his instructions again. But we do have a glimpse into some of the things that, that he encountered along the way. Oh, we can talk about Paul and all the wonderful things that he did. And if we're just going to only look at that column, there's a lot of people that would raise their hand and they would say, Sign me up. I want that to be in my resume. I want that to be a part of my pedigree. Amen. But I feel like that we don't know it all. If we just pull the pages of 2 Corinthians 11 open, it's just a glimpse, just a little window. It's just appearing through the shade of some of the things that he encountered. And I believe that Paul was not trying to give an exhaustive list I believe the Apostle Paul was just giving us a glimpse of the high points of things that he faced. Five times received I-39 stripes. Three times beaten with rods. Stoned. Three times suffered shipwreck. A night and a day in the deep. Perils of water. Perils of robbers. Perils of my own countrymen. Perils of the wilderness. Peril of the sea. Perils of false brethren. Often watches often and the list goes on and on and on these were the things that he faced without 
those are the things that he faced outside. And the reason I say that is because he added to this list besides saying those things which are without, amen, that which cometh upon me daily, being the cares of the churches. And so he said, those are just the things I'm fighting in hell. Those are just the things I'm fighting outside. Those outside influences, not counting the care of the churches that lay upon my shoulders. But I will tell you that the apostle Paul never attempted anything without prayer and committing himself to the spirit of God. And while he accomplished many things for the kingdom of God, Paul was always careful. He was always very intentional to give honor and to give honor where it was due because he said, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What was this? It was the apostle Paul taking this trophy and laying at the feet of the one that really deserved it. He was laying all of those accolades and all of those victories and all of the banners and all those flags. He was laying that at the feet of the Lord because Paul understood that the, the victory is in the striving. The victory is in the work. It's the words of our text. I labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. Amen. The works that we do are always, I believe, in conjunction with our striving and with our working. The sign of the Spirit of God I believe is the energy of the soul and it is the life of God's people because the Lord never leaves the church barren. He never leaves the church fruitless. His spirit is always moving. But that moving spirit, and please hear me, that moving spirit is found in the striving. Amen. Spirit of worship here tonight. Spirit of prayer and praise here tonight. That didn't start at 7.30. That didn't start at 7.12. That didn't start at 6.58. No, there was some striving. There was people praying. There have been people praying long before this Wednesday ever folded over to the calendar. Striving in prayer, believing and trusting, believing God, believing God to move and to minister tonight. I believe that the Spirit of God is found in the dedication of our lives to the work and to the ministry in which he has called us. It's got to be something that we think about more than just Wednesday and more than just Sunday. I mean, we can't just wake up, oh my Lord, it's Sunday morning. We, we got to pray and we got to, no, no, no. That's not where the Spirit of God is going to be able to flow. The work and the victory is in the striving. The work and the victory of a service, a Sunday service, a Wednesday service, is not just found within the context of that hour, hour and a half, or two hours that we are gathered. The victory is on all the work that went into it and the work that went behind it all that came to fruition Amen. the fruit of our labor and the fruit of our ministry is always the byproduct of the work of the spirit of God amen it's also true of salvation if a person is ever saved we're saved by the work of the spirit it's not our own good that saves us, not by works of righteousness, the scripture says, which we have done, but according to his mercy. That's how we're saved. It's the mercy of God. 
I would tell you tonight that there's probably not one. Not, I'm going to remove probably. There's not one of us in here this evening that couldn't stand alongside the Apostle Paul and say, I'm a debtor. I am a debtor. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. I was in so far over my head. I am a debtor to his goodness and his grace. Oh, hallelujah. If you don't feel that way tonight, you're probably in more dangerous territory than you could ever imagine. But without, without hesitation, I'm going to raise my hand and say I'm a debtor. I don't deserve to be here this evening. I didn't earn this tonight by my goodness or my, my grace or by my good works. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't anybody in my lineage. It wasn't friends. Oh, no, no. It was God's grace, His grace alone. When I look down, I know it's been said countless times, but when you look down and you see the tragedy and the travesty that some people are walking through tonight, I have to say with great humbleness of heart and mind, but for grace, but for the grace of God, that could be me, that could be me, that could be you. I'm not saying that tonight to hurl some cloud of guilt our way. I'm telling you that because it's the truth but for the grace of God there go I <laughs> because his grace amen Ephesians 2 and 1 says being dead in trespasses and sin we can't save ourselves no man can raise themselves from the dead resurrection whether that's physical or whether that is spiritual is a work of God in John 3 and 3 Jesus declared that we must be born again and no man can be born of his own volition. That is a work of the quickening power of God. Amen. While it's true that we are regenerated by the Spirit of God, this is always in conjunction with the help and the work and the cooperation of man. I think it's imperative that we understand this, that faith is a gift of God, sure, but the Holy Spirit cannot have faith for us. We have to exercise our own faith. We've got to step out ourselves. We have to have faith ourselves. We may be inspired. We may even be encouraged by the Spirit of God. But I, you, we are the ones that must believe the Spirit of God can nudge us and move us and lift, and lift us and encourage us. But I am the one, you are the one that is called on at the end of the day to put my faith and my trust and my confidence in Him. In like fashion, repentance is a gift of God. Without the work of the Spirit, no man will repent. But by the same token, the Spirit cannot repent for a man. And they cannot repent for a woman. We have got to lift our hands, our heart, open our mouth. We've got to pour that out before God. Every person must repent for themselves. And these acts are imperative. They may be encouraged again. We may be inspired of the Holy Spirit. But the acts themselves are the acts of man. We've got to believe. We have to have faith. We have to step out. We've got to exercise that. Am I preaching to anybody here tonight? We've had to step out by faith. We have felt that unction of the Lord, but we can feel that unction all day long. God needs us because the victory is in the striving. The victory is in the leaning in. The victory is in the putting our hands to the plow. The victory is in rolling up our sleeves. God's not just going to come pour it on us. God's not just going to come dump it on us. 
Amen. We're going to have to avail ourselves to his spirit. We're going to have to give ourselves to his divine will. Amen. Divine choices. Yes, they are divine, but they must be our choices. Divine selections, no matter how divine, they must be selections that we make. They've got to be decisions that we make. And all of these bring us in to a unification with the Spirit of God. Amen. And that has to be the power and the presence of God pressing us in to this oneness. There are also our choices. And there are our desires. And there are our wills. If that's not true, if it's, if it's just the Spirit of God and it's not my desire, if it's just the Spirit of God and it's not my will, if it's just the Spirit of God and it's not my choice, then I am nothing more than a robot for Jesus. He's in heaven pulling some divine strings and we're over here just responding. Amen. But I want to tell you tonight that we didn't lift our voices because God is somewhere outside of our sight, outside of our hearing, and he's pulling the strings, and he made us sing. He made us lift our hands. I want to tell you this evening that that while praise was in my heart, I had to let it out. And while there was an amen in my mouth, I had to open my lips and let it out. And while there was a clap in my hands, I had to put my hands together. There may be a leap in my feet, but i got to do something about that. I have got to yield myself. I've got to yield my flesh. Why? Because the victory is in the striving. The victory is in the moving. The victory is in the leaning in. God's not going to do this for us. We're not not responsible for our our works. If all the work is done, amen, it's going to be done by the Spirit. And And if it's not those two things working together, then we are nothing more than just mere machines. We're just mechanical. We're going through this and it's just a job. But I want you to know tonight I'm not here out of obligation. I'm here because I want to be here. I'm here because I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. I sing because God has done something in my life bigger than I could do for myself. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Contrary to what some may suppose, I'm not here tonight because I'm the preacher. I'm not here because I'm the pastor. I'm here tonight because he's done so much for me. My vocabulary falls short. Mm, Hallelujah. My vocabulary falls short. I just run out of words. I'm here because I want to be here. Praise God. Praise God. The kingdom of God doesn't work with God just moving the the levers and us responding. You mean anything that God does does through the vessel of mankind will always Always be in conjunction with a person's heart and will. You can just rest easy. God's not going to snatch you up and throw you out in the aisle. He's not going to reach out with his hand and jump you up and down to leap for joy. God's not going to reach down and pick up our hands to praise him. If there's anything that happens, God is going to need the will of man, the desire of man, the choice of man. Again, it's that striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. The truth of the matter is simple. We could not do what God has called us to do if it were not for his grace that keeps us from falling. We could not accomplish what God has called us to do if it were not for his grace to come along beside us and to keep us and to keep our steps established. We can 
never hope to be presented faultless in his presence if it were not for the spirit of God that sanctifies our mind and our heart. We can never hope to receive the inheritance that's been promised to us in his word, that that's prepared for his saints were it not for the regenerating power of his spirit in us. I want you to get the picture tonight. It is God moving and it is man's moving. It is God's will and it is man's will. Hallelujah. It is God's desire joining man's desire. Man's desire joining God's desire. And we're working together hand in hand. We can't do this by our and God's not going to do it by himself amen that is the bottom line we can't do it by ourselves, and God is not going to do it himself Zechariah 4 and 6 says not by might nor by power but by my spirit saith the Lord John 6 and 44 reminds us that no man can ever be saved except God would work in him amen it's push Pull. It is push. Pull. It's that working of the Spirit. God wants to work. He wants to work, but who will let? God wants to speak, but He needs a voice. God needed someone in the scripture to make up a hedge, but he found none. He found one. Amen. I want to slip my hand up and say, here am I. Here am I, Lord. If you need a voice, it's not much, but I'll give it to you. Here am I, Lord. I know you're going to have to have somebody. I know you're going to have to have somebody. And sometimes we think God is only looking for the eloquent. God is only looking for those that are polished and pristine. But I'm going to tell you, God will take what we'll place in his hands. And if we'll put it in his hands, he'll press it into his will and God will do something mighty because the victory is in the striving not one person can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost unless the spirit does the work we can witness we can give all the scriptures that are available to us we can present the truth amen we can present the word of God in its truth but it's the spirit it's the spirit that's going to do the work we can lay our hands on them we can pray prayers we can have all kind of faith we can do all manner of things but I'm going to tell you you can't strong arm God into doing it's the spirit that's going to do the work praise the Lord so how do this happens how does this happen then this happens when you and I decide that God can and he will use me as long as we keep this assigned to others as long as it's somebody else's job as long as it's somebody else's calling as long as we can assign all of this to others then it will only be others that are being used of God but the moment that we realize that it is through my effort and my dedication it is through my life Amen. That the Lord will use me. He'll use me just like he will use, he'll use you just like you are. He'll use you with your own personality. He'll use you with your own voice. He'll use you with your own intellect. Praise God. I believe that Moses, after he was called, still walked like Moses. I believe he still talked like Moses. I believe he still thought like Moses. Praise God. I believe that everybody that was ever used of God, they didn't morph into something overnight. God took their personality. I'm not 
saying he didn't change them and mold and shape them but you get what I'm saying God is going to use us just like us he wants us to be used of him and so I say Lord I'm just willing to step into the fray I'm willing tonight no matter how much your will may be for this or your will may be for that what God is doing his eyes are going across the earth to and fro and he's looking for somebody that will say here Lord I'll use you amen that's why God will use a child that's why God will use a new convert he's not looking just for a 40 year veteran God will use anybody that will say here's my hands here's my feet here's my mind use me Lord oh hallelujah somewhere we got to understand the victory is in the striving the victory is in saying Lord here am I here am I use me send me Philippians 2 and 13 he said for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do this his good pleasure his good pleasure however God does not work and those fruits are not born without the toil and without the effort and the dedication of humanity now you I know I'm using some bad language tonight dirty words Shame on me, toil, effort, dedication. Praise the Lord. I've preached in quiet places before. You're not going to scare me now. Toil, labor, work. Whereunto I also labor, Paul said, agonizing according to his work, which worketh in me mightily. The work of God is just that, work. It is work. Prayer is work. Fasting is work. Study is work. Faithfulness is work. Witnessing is work. Amen. That, that's the way God has chosen to reach the world. He's re- he chosen to reach the world through the church. Who's the church? And that's not some foreign entity. That's not some stranger without a name and a, a zip code, without an address, without a social security number. The church is you and I. He's just wanting us to raise our hands and say, God, we'll step in. And I realize, Lord, that you'll use me. Amen. God has chosen to reach the world through humanity. And so living for God requires dedication to a cause much greater than ourselves. Therefore, we must have God. But God, but God relegated himself to humanity. Therefore, for God must have man. <laughs> Amen. Think of that. No wonder David said, What is man that thou art mindful of him? So re- living for God requires dedication to a cause much greater than ourselves. So we must have God. But God said, I'm going to tie myself to humanity. So God must have man. And so it's not God doing all the work while we sing and play and have a good time. No, it's much more than that. It's striving and it's agonizing according to the spirit that worketh in us mightily. It's that toil and that labor that can never be done through someone else. Somebody else cannot pay this price. God is looking for some usable hands. And you know what? Those hands are in this house tonight. Amen. Those hands, those hands are in this house tonight. And those hands are joining us online this evening. And God is asking us to thrust our hands into the harvest and to trust Him to do the work on the other side. If we will stand and step in, if we will lean in, if we will understand victory is in the striving. I'm going to just lean into this, Lord, and I'm going to trust your spirit to be working on the other side. Hallelujah. And so what I'm talking about this evening is not 
about what you and I possess. I'm not talking about something that you and I own. What I'm saying tonight is that God needs you and God needs me. Because you see, ministry is not something we can write a check for. Because the church, I'm not, I'm not talking about just this church, but I'm talking about the church in general. And I'm not being snide in this, just follow me. But you see, the church has reached a point of being very blessed because our world is blessed. And our world is blessed because the church is blessed. And so there was a day when people would, would oh, I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Uh, there was a day when people, because they didn't have any money, they made themselves available. Because people had time, but they didn't have money. So they made themselves available. I think I'm finding the groove here now. But today, people have got more money than they've got time. I know some of you saying, you didn't see my checking account. But you follow me. I'm just talking about in general. People saying, I, I got more money than I've got time. And so we don't have time to do this, so can we just pay for somebody else to do that? Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm saying now. Amen. That's, that's, and that's the mindset of just where we are. We'll just pay somebody else to dig the ditch. We'll pay somebody else to do this. We'll pay somebody else to do that. Because, But you see what we're talking about here tonight. Amen. God is not looking for what we own. And God's not looking for what we possess. He needs us. He needs our hands in the harvest. This is ministry is not something you can write a check for. Ministry is not something we can do through text to give and accomplish that. It's the toiling of the flesh and the toiling of the spirit. Amen. It is yielding ourselves and submitting ourselves to an altar of prayer. It's yielding ourselves to that sweet hour and season of time with God. Amen. That is what gives God, this is what gives the church life and power. It's the Spirit of God. But it's not His Spirit alone. Amen. It's His Spirit working through His people. What makes a church a church? It's not buildings and property or money. It's not systems and strategies or departments. A church is given health and life by you. Amen. And so you set the tone. And you set the tenor of what the church is. Worldly people, worldly church. Carnal people, carnal church. Lazy people, lazy church. Lackadaisical here, lackadaisical there. Kesara, sarah here, kesara, sarah there. Amen. But Paul said the victory, the victory, the victory is in the striving. The victory is rolling up our sleeves. Praise God. Paul said it, labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. And so we need to feel the weight and the responsibility of the ministry of the modern day church. And a person at ease is never going to be able to experience the great things that God is wanting to do in this hour. And hear me, that's why he's working so hard and overtime to keep you distracted. 
If he can keep you busy with your job, if he can keep you busy with the troubles and the perils of life, if he can keep you distracted with this and distracted with that, you'll never step into what he's wanting to do in your life. Consequently, we'll never step in collectively to what he's wanting to do in all of our lives because God is needing somebody that will say, Lord, I'm going to set this aside. Amen. It takes dedication and it takes people that says, I'm not going to count the cost. It don't matter how long, how much, how deep, how wide, how far. Hallelujah. How do great things come to be? It's not some mystical moving of the Spirit. Anywhere you see somebody being used of God, I mentioned it a moment ago, no one thing. What you see is the end result of much labor. What you see is the end result of much toil. What you see is the end result of somebody that gave much, gave much, they gave much, they gave much. The sign of the presence of the Spirit of the Lord is is working mightily in us, amen, is that that flows out from us, the end result. And so what that will be the end result. And it does cost time. It does cost money. It does take effort. It does take energy to minister to people. I, I read something today, a man, it was, his, it was his testimony, and he said that a friend of his witnessed to him and invited him. It was odd to me that he kept up with a number of times, but it, it turned into a powerful testimony. He said, I had a friend who invited me to church and witnessed to me. He invited me to come to church 20 times, and I told him no 20 times. He said, but I'm here tonight because he came 21 times. He meant I'm here tonight because he came back one more time. It was in the striving. The victory was in the striving. The victory was in the leaning in. It wasn't the person. It wasn't what he was saying. It was just saying, Lord, I'm going to go at it again. I'm going to give again. And there's not a person here tonight that could not say you're tired. Maybe you've had a long week already at just the halfway mark and maybe there are other things bidding for your attention today or this afternoon or even right now but can I tell you you're here tonight amen the victory was in the striving the victory was in the saying I'm going anyway the victory is in the in saying I'm, I've got to do whatever it takes I've got to be I've got to be in the house of God you press through those hindrances and you made your way to the house of God one more time hallelujah and I'm going to tell you that when you walked in this evening God understood that your victory was in the striving and you're going to be blessed. Amen. You're going to be blessed because you walked in. Can I tell you one thing further? Your family's going to be blessed because you're here. Amen. Your friends are going to be blessed because you're here because we're in the presence of God. Why? Because victory's in the striving. Victory is in the leaning in. Victory is in the saying, I'm going to press in. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to give everything I have. Praise God. Amen. So what you're offering tonight What you're offering tonight is something God can bless. Amen. One more little illustration. I grew up hearing, and I know what people meant when they said this, but let's just think about it. I've heard people pray over an offering and say, bless those that give and bless those that don't. God can't bless those that don't. Amen. Now God can bless those that have not. But God can't bless those that just thump the bag when it comes to make it sound like you gave something. Amen? Make the ushers feel like you did something. Amen? God can only bless. So what we brought here tonight is something God can bless. Amen? And so I don't think we can really serve God without a cost because if you don't feel it and if it costs you nothing, that's probably what it's worth. Amen? I'll ask our musicians to come. 
And so David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, when someone offered to give him something to offer unto God, David said, no, no. I will offer nothing to God that didn't cost me something. If I didn't have to drag this to the altar, if I didn't have to pull this, if I didn't have to tie this, I'm not going to offer God something that cost me nothing. Amen. It was the same at Pentecost. The word that they were given was this. Go, Terry, until you be endued with power from on high. Two things. Go, Terry, until you're endued with power. And I submit to you tonight that it took both. It took the flesh of those believers to go tarry. How do we even know what that means? Go tarry till you be endued with power. But they walked in with faith believing. So it took the flesh of those believers tarrying, but it also took the impartation of the Spirit. It takes God and it takes man. And that's God's idea. (laughs) That's God's plan. God and man. I, I say this with humility of spirit. I hope you understand that. But God's not going to do this on his own. Because he bound himself to you and I. Now the truth of the matter is, is if I don't want to do it, he'll find somebody that does and somebody will. And so God is wanting us to yield ourselves to you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with just one final illustration. It's a familiar story, especially for our audience this evening. But in the book of Judges chapter 6, we find a man by the name of Gideon. Now, Gideon was not a warring man. He was, he was, he was not a, a courageous man. Gideon was hiding behind the stuff. You know the story probably. But, but the Lord said, Gideon, Israel, a nation, is going to be saved by your hand. Wow. wow. So Gideon... In verses 36 through 40 of chapter 6, Gideon fleeced the Lord, what we call fleece the Lord. He asked the Lord for a token. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out some, some wool here and, and uh, let it be wet and the ground be dry. And then the next day the ground be dry or, or vice versa of that. And the Lord honored that fleece he did God did honor that affirming that he was going to deliver the enemy into his hands and as if that weren't enough in Judges 7 the Lord said Gideon I need you to go down to the enemy's camp and I need you to press your ear up against the tent and I need you to eavesdrop and listen to what the enemy is saying okay And so Gideon slips down the stillness of the night. He hears the Midianites recount the dream 
of the barley loaves tumbling down, overthrowing the tents of Median. It was a dream, but in this, Gideon understood the Lord was confirming that even the enemy knew they were in a losing proposition. More confirmation that he was going to throw, overthrow the enemy and that Israel would be spared. However, why wasn't it enough for Gideon to just send out a text and say, God's got this. I mean, the Lord has confirmed it in this, these illustrations three times. But he still had to take up that little feeble army of just 300 men that God had whittled it down to. And he gathered that band of people together and in the darkness of the night he went into the enemy's camp and this is what Gideon shouted, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And that's us. Amen. I'll ask you to stand. The sword of the Lord. Are you with me now? And Gideon. This was a man hiding earlier. This was a man saying, who me? earlier but God confirmed his word but it did not extract Gideon from the equation you just stay home and we'll mail you the victory report no, no you gotta get up amen, it's not going to happen without you and it's not going to happen without me because victory is in the striving and so every time you lean in and prayer seems a little difficult don't get up and walk away. Remember victory. This is where my victory is going to be found. Amen. There are times we have fasted and it just seemed like it wasn't that big of a deal. And there's other times we fasted and it was a huge deal. But victory was in the striving. Times that worship and praise was just, oh my Lord, it was just so free flowing. It didn't matter what you were singing fast or slow. It didn't, it didn't matter. And there are other times we've got to press a little harder. You been there? Sure. Got to press a little bit harder. Praise God. But that's where the victory is. It's in the striving. It's in the work. Praise God. I wonder if we could just magnify the Lord together. Amen. I love you today, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.